good evening. I'm Rafael Martinez, and this will end in darkness. We would like to address a a rumor, a chattering, if you will, about this program having a political agenda. And we have made it quite clear several times. We don't have any politics to speak of. We have varying beliefs that change over time. We're constantly evolving. But we do not pick a side. We are dedicated to neutrality. Some would say that's cowardice. I look at it as being pragmatic. So in no way have we picked a side in the mayoral debates of the Northern Bones. We, as honorary scouts, believe it is our duty to always present both sides of the political coin and to, because we are honorary scouts, you know, we, we are not born scout, but we are honorary, that we stay out of the political affairs as best as we can. So it is true, I said some disparaging things about one of the candidates, but I also ended that statement disparaging both of them. I'm just trying to be really political about this body. One of us has to have a future here. So, did I say of the Democratic nominee that I assumed that he too was on Epstein's island with Clinton getting blown by teenagers because he's a pedophile? Yes, I did say that to him. But, but, I also said to the Republican that I hope your wife finds out about your young male lover. And ended all that with both of you should burn in hell. In essence, I called them both pedophiles. So there, there was an equalness to the attacks and the rumors. The rumors are saying that I only attacked the Republican because I didn't want to seem like I was biased. I attacked the Democrat first, and that's unfair. I have always been known to be someone who shoots from the hip. So it really just comes down to if I see it, I'm going to do it. And I saw an opening and I took it. In my defense, when I said these things into the microphone at the town hall debate, he got a resounding applause. So I'm not wrong, I think. 
maybe. I would also like to address another thing. I am highly aware it is wrong or not correct to wear black clothing when you have a black curtain. I am aware of this. I have been aware of this, but I've committed to a look. I can't change things up now. I could buy brighter clothing, but none of the cool pro wrestling shirts are in brighter colors. And that's kind of an issue. It looks like we're all wearing punk rock clothing when it's just really cool pro wrestling t-shirts, like the one I have on now, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And my Bullet Club hoodie. As you can see, it makes it very difficult to be a pro wrestling fan and wear brighter colors. So I'm aware, but my wardrobe is quite limited right now. It is. Subject to change. Cross your fingers. Maybe WRKM hits him with the big bonus. But yes, welcome to the show. We had to get those things out of the way. Those legal legalese. Now we can have the conversations we can't have when the sun is up. Oh, you thought I was going to play the intro there. No. It was already played, Bobby. If you paid attention, you'd know that. But you're not paying attention, are you? What you focusing on, buddy? Ah, that's right. He is looking through his college acceptance letters. How's that going for you? Don't even answer that. I don't need your voice in my head. Get out my head. I don't care about your college experience, Bobby. But the Wonderkin's going through his. And that's something I do care about. We recently went visiting some universities and I gotta be honest I think I might have missed out on something I think I think I might have missed out on a really cool experience going away to college even something as far as three hours away requires travel you know so it's a good distance like you're away but not too far away but even sometimes you need a wider distance which I think I would have been a wider distance person. I think I would have been, like, if I had an opportunity or I had a choice, I would have gone to, like, a West Coast school, you know, just to get away from New York. But there's nothing bad about upstate school either. A few of them are on, on the come up right now, so. But what I experienced was a level of excitement I never experienced because in, in, in my high school, going to college was like, yeah, you're going to do that. But like, don't have an, a dream of what you want to do, just what's going to make you money. You know, it wasn't looked at as anything to really celebrate. It was weird. You know, we never really had a, that team of people who celebrated that. Like you had your one or two teachers. Decker was one of them, you know, Burnbaum, but you didn't really have. 
like a real unit, you know, dedicated to getting you ready for college. You were pretty much left to your, your own devices unless you went actively looking for it. And the search was always difficult because you couldn't find these people ever, so. But there was a level of excitement, you know, watching him go through the process, you know, meeting the people that are head of his department, you know, finding out about dorms, you know, finding out, you know, about research opportunities. You know, these are things I I never knew were either there or, well, I knew you could stay away at college, but I mean, like, in terms of the access to it, it always seemed so far away because of the financials. Money's a huge thing, you know. Me and my brother are two different students. You know, he's a straight-A kid. You know, he's battling to be one of the top three in his class right now. I was never that guy. You know, I could be, but I didn't want to do it. Who knows what that is? Maybe laziness. Maybe I was just more wanting to be creative. You know, something a bit more outside of traditional. See, that's that's the bullshit of it, right? Like, that's the justification. But I know. I'm fully aware of what I was <laughs> Fully aware, you know, like, oh, I'm a writer, like, stupid, you know, I, I should have been smart about it. If I was going to do it, I should have been on point. I should have all my college stuff together, but I didn't have it together. I also was doing a lot of my schoolwork either, so that always gets in the way at some point. Um, but yeah, he's experiencing something I never experienced before, and it's new for me to um, experience this level of maturity with someone young, because like my brother, my other brother Christopher, like we didn't have those years together, so I never got to really see that, you know, happen for him. Where with John, I grew up in the same house as him, so like seeing him go, oh, now you're gonna make these man decisions about where you want to spend your next four years, where do you want to aspire for your career. Those are really important moments in a young man's life, you know, and and you don't you don't know how important they are until you're there. So all these new questions start showing up. New fears start popping up in your mind. And you start, you start to go how easily this can go, you know, fuck up, you know, if you're not careful. And I think it's prepared me for, like, when my kid eventually goes through it someday, like, I'll have already done it once, so I already know what the feeling is. It won't be new for me. You know, I'll, I'll have already been part of the process. But he's the first in our family to do something like this. So there's, there's this compound interest of expectation. You know, it's a lot raining on him, you know, but he handles it so well, you know, so confidently. Very chill. He has a very, it's going to be what it's going to be. You know, he's made his choice already. He's keeping it quiet to himself now. But when he's ready to talk about it, he'll talk about it. But, like, there's, there's a level of maturity that you didn't know was possible until you saw it in front of you. And a level of fearlessness. It, it It's always, an, I, I wonder... I don't think I was like that. Like, I don't think, I didn't have that in me. You know, I didn't have that engine, that fearlessness. It was always fear. 
Like, any little thing will fuck up my entire future. So it kind of keeps you from doing things. You know, like when you have that in your mind. Like, don't do this, don't do that. Eh, kind of fucks everything up for you a little bit. But he's, you know, looking at everything as an opportunity to do something, whether it's, you know, what he ends up going to school for, if he ends up changing majors, like, you know, he's dedicated to a mission. And that's always the thing great to see when a young person experiences that, like, clear vision of what they want their college experience to be. I hated my college experience, the first three quarters of it. Looking back on it, like, I would argue it's some of the worst years of my life. When it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be the best. But you have to look at it from how I went. Like, I I didn't really want to go. Like, I was was only going because I had the access to. You know, at least the first semester at Medgar Evers. I, I didn't last long there. Also, to travel, I didn't like to travel. Like, having to go down to Franklin was difficult. BMCC was different. It, it felt like, oh, like, this is an actual college college. Like, not the same like ever didn't feel that way, but it just, there was something about BMCC. It was like, oh, no, this is actual, like, college. And I, and then mind you, I had, like, visited other colleges during that time. I had gone to Baruch and all that. I never felt that way with them, which is weird because Baruch's considered really high-class school, but I never, I took more of, like, a, this is an investor bank here than it is college, but BMC actually looked like a school, you know, more like high school, so probably that's what it was, in my mind, it just went to that, and that's really what BMCC was, it was high school extended, you know, you were still living at home, but you were just going to school every day, nothing had really changed, except for, like, you know, you have the odd Saturday class, or you only got to do one class a day and then you're out. But then you would spend a lot of your time fucking around at school. Which was like, why? You know, you could be out doing a bunch of, bunch of other things, but you're stuck here. When I was there, there was, like, I was hanging out, like, on this place called The Bridge a lot. And, you know, it was made up of, like, you know, theater kids, some video arts kids. Other weirdos that had like come around, like there was a, there was a moment where like what started as a small group of people had turned into like four different groups of people, and it was just gross. <laughs> like I imagine, like it was it was it was a college kid skid row. That's really what it was. A bunch of rejects, uh, people who were far too good to be hanging out with, you know, scummy people like I was, were hanging out there just so, you know, it could be fun. They could do something dangerous before they go to school, before they go to class or for some bullshit. Just like it's like they're cool, you know, like they're hanging out with some outlaws, which we weren't that big of a group. Like we weren't known. It was just, there were like people who just, gravitated towards it because there was a level of chaos to it that was fun and you know this person dates this person and dates this other person and then you know this group of weirdos ends up morphing in to this other group of weirdos and becomes a super class of weirdos 
And when I mean weirdos, I mean like they were chicks with beards, dude. Like we had a bearded lady. It it was rough, you know. And no one no one had the heart to ask the question. I couldn't ask the question. Felt bad, but it was just like a huge group of weirdos had just arrived. And but in the center of it was this theater club that was so up its own ass. Like, but that was the entire theater department, to be honest with you. A lot of those kids. Not all of them. There are some cool ones there. But for the most part, it was a lot of up-their-own-ass kids. Same thing with the video arts department that I was part of. Those kids thought they were all going to be Spielberg. You'd be hard-pressed to find any of them now doing anything relevant. But that was just kind of what it is. It was this like a kind of mini-fame high school situation. Just all these dreams, you know. And were there talented people there? Yeah, there was a few cool actors there. There was some solid writers there. There's a few people I thought who could have been stars that they really wanted to, but they were just waiting on approval. You know, they were just waiting on the department to go, hey, we're going to go with you. You're going to be the big person. And they never went with that person, even though how talented that person was and how much they would bust their ass to prove they were as good of an actor as everyone else. It was still the same two, three actors getting all the big spots and all the big shows. So if you were kind of a reject of the big shows, you ended up at theater club. And we were, we, it's, it's, it's not, it's not what people think this is going to be. Like, it's not one of those, oh, we were fucking renegades to the school. Like, that's what some people think it was. Like, some people have that nostalgia for it. Like, we were fucking renegades. We were fucking edgy. And it's like, eh. Like, I don't see it that way. You know, we, we were more edge lords than being edgy, you know. You know, oh, we, you know, we, we took movie scenes and, you know, made them theater, you know, productions. Like, all right, cool. Like, it was, there was only one time where we did that where it actually was interesting. And I'll get to that. But for a long time, you know, I was part of this weird group. Some would say that's where my Rat King name comes from. Because for a moment, it did feel like I was Lord of the Bridge, the King Troll. But I don't think that's necessarily what it was. I think I was more Littlefinger and just in the corner getting all the information. I was a straight-A student before I got involved in all that. Down the drain that went. And it's not to say that was the sole reason why it happened. I also am hugely accountable for like not putting any effort I should have put in. But that group also didn't really help anything. It kind of just made it worse. And BMCC itself as an institution was not designed for you to graduate. It was designed to keep you there. And you start to realize it when they just add on classes and requirements. Though they were never there when you started. So ideally you would be finishing the degree you started, not this new version of it. But they find loopholes around it. But 
that's where it, it was high school. And all the emotions and thought processes, processes, whatever, the plurals of processes, were high school. You dealt with things like high school. You gossip. You know, you, you talk shit about one another, but you were still best friends somehow. You know, you never really approached anyone when you had a problem. You just talked shit about them behind their back instead. You know, it was, everything was high school then. Still. And it, it really killed how I looked at college for a long time. Even though during this time I would hang out at Hofstra a lot with my boy Lou. I would visit him a lot and I would see the other experience of it. But that seemed so out of reach. You know, it seemed like I, I couldn't do this. There was no way. Even though I could have. If I had really put the effort, I could have. Where I was, there were very few people aspiring to do more. We were just going to be great. And now it's going to carry us. We had a lot of talent. We're just going to get through on that. You know? That's when I, I kind of petered out in doing stand-up. I used to do it a lot in my early 20s. At time, I was part of a comedy group. We were called the REC based on the initials of our name. And we had done like three off-Broadway plays. Like, not, not plays, but shows. Paid. You know, were they filled with necessarily unbiased audience members? Not always. The majority of the time, it was our friends. And... There was no mechanism to expand out of that. There just wasn't. And even in that group, there was a betrayal. And that group didn't last. Now, keep in mind, all this, I'm falling out of love with the college idea. And I go, oh no, there's, I've heard of improv groups coming out of colleges. Maybe this is a thing. You know, maybe this is how my experience goes. Dedicate a lot of time in that group. A lot of hours of writing, practicing all that. One of the other members did too. One, not so much. And the not so much one ended up causing the breakup of that friendship. Not just between me and him, but then him and the other guy. And then it was, that group was also tied in with my girlfriend at the time, who was no fucking picnic either. She lied about the weirdest shit. The weirdest shit. She would text me like sweet things in this like what she called a tribal tongue from her home. Listen, I'm not a fucking linguist, dog. 
So, like, I'm not going to question it, right? But. <laughs> I'm remembering, I'm remembering the actual tweet, the text. And be like, he's long, beautiful, like, you know, it, ling- linguistically it looked great. And I would ask her, hey, what tribe is this? Because I wanted to learn it. So, you know, that could be our thing. It's a couple. Never get the name for me. I said, fuck it. I got this Google. Why not take some of the phrases, Google them? Now, have you ever played Final Fantasy X? There's a language you can learn. There's a language you can learn. You have to collect certain things to make the dictionary, but then all the alphabet becomes translated in English for you, but you can still learn language, like how to say words and all. I, she had told me Final Fantasy X was her favorite. It's not even like my favorites. I don't really pay much money. Like I do like concepts in it, but it's not my favorite. Mine is still seven and come fucking early two thousands. But there's a ten's good. Never thought about it. Never never put two and two together. Until I Googled what I love you meant. And it pulled up the Albed dictionary. So this entire time, she's got me convinced that this is some Elden, African, Jamaican, some fucking shit thing that she's telling me. And it's supposed to reveal how much she cares about me because she's telling me these things in this native tongue. But this native tongue is not even real. It's from a virtual space. She would also plagiarize weird things. She would, I'm a writer, of course. I've mentioned that several times in this podcast. She would pitch things to me. Stories. I hate it. I hate when they do that. I don't, I don't just go write it. You don't need my approval. Go, go write it, and I'll read it when you're done. I don't ever pitch anything to anybody. I just write it when I'm done. Here it is. So she was telling about this movie she wanted to make, and how the world would be like comic book panels, right? And the guy could control everything in the comic world to aid him in reality. This sounded familiar to me, but I couldn't place it. It was somewhere lost in my past, and I'm like, this is ringing out to me. It was like John Edwards. Uh, Comic book bullshit? Yeah, that that rings a bell to me. It's telling me 
This is some bullshit. That's what the spirit's telling me. So, I had a PlayStation 3 that still played PlayStation 2 video games. So I told her, hey, you have anything? Because I know you don't have a system at the moment. Like, I just want to, like, you know, play something different than what I'm playing. She had a Sega Genesis collection. PlayStation 2 disc. Had, like, Sonic and all that. And I get home and pop in the disc, and I see, oh, look! It's Comic Zone! I was just thinking about this the other day. have no idea why. Let me play Comic Zone. Within, like, the first few seconds of the very first level... I realized she had pitched me comic book zone or comic zone, whatever it's called, but Sega Genesis, you know it. How's that for a college girlfriend, dude? She started taking my mannerisms, my jokes. It was weird. I don't believe just because you're with someone, you can take their joke. I think you still got to ask permission for that. Like, I don't take any of my girlfriend's jokes. That's her material. If she wants to lease that out to me, that's more than fine. But I make sure everyone knows that's her joke. I ain't trying to get beat up. That's her joke. But some people don't feel that way. They steal your essence. But yeah. So, failed improv group, oddly plagiarizing fake language girlfriend. Add professors who were all failed filmmakers, but in an experimental sense. They, they were, it was so weird for a bunch of people who just all made experimental movies to all be in one place. And they just hated everything. You couldn't get them to like anything. They hated everything. So if I come in shooting a film on a... You remember those old um, HD cameras, the hard drive cameras, the flip cameras? I shot a whole documentary on that called Ringside Dreams. Well, a friend of mine who's a pro wrestler. I handed that in. I got a failed grade because I shot it on the flip and on a mini DV camera. Even though I had owned a mini DB camera and had just upgraded the mini DB camera to the flip camera. Going, hey, shot HD. Hey, I still had to log footage. I had to do all that. Still got a failing grade. So I'm dealing with that. I'm dealing with old dinosaurs who don't want to let go. And I'm losing any desire to stick around. Because all the worst things that happened to me or at college. So eventually I just flunk out. I'm out. I'm done. Don't want to be there no more. It's not fun. It was supposed to be like a different world. That's what my college experience was to be like. That's what I wanted it to be like. Or saved by the bell the college years. I kept watching. So, so I flunk out. You know, I'm out for like about a year. Now, this is where, granted, calling 
college, the worst years of my life is one thing, but there's the things you do get out of it that kind of make it worthwhile. First, you get Anthony Camacho, who's my best friend. Um, you heard him on the July 4th episode. I meet him through there. He's finally, I guess, I don't, I don't think he had just turned 21. I think he'd been 21 for a bit, but he finally reached out and said, hey, you want to hang out or something like that? I said, sure, I'm down for that. And we started hanging out at Gotham Lounge a lot. Um, cause it was $2 PBR in a shot. Then became three. Um, and it was a comic book theme bar run by a Bushwick, you know, native. So it always felt comfortable being there. But for a whole year, like, he was kind of always dropping, when are you going to go back to school? When are you going to finish that up? And I'm like, ah, I'm never going back, you know? And he said, but you were close to finishing. I'm like, yeah, I have few. I like made like a semester or two in me, and that was it. And I could have finished could have finished it. And he's like, you should go back. You should really go back. He does this for a year. Every weekend. Multiple times in that weekend. Because we would hang out a lot. For an entire year, he's dropping, you need to go back. And this is a guy I had no issues with. One of the very few good guys in that entire place. And he was a dude going, you got to go back. Because I used to be obsessed with finishing things. Finishing things is a hard thing for me. It really is. Writing this sometimes. Schoolwork. It's finishing is really difficult for me. Getting started is not really that hard. It's the finishing part. Don't and I can know exactly how I'm gonna finish something. I still won't finish it. I have no idea why. It's just something I'm not good at. It's something I guess you you have to practice. You gotta practice finishing things. It's gotta become a habit. It's like achieving things. It has to become a habit. So After a year, I'm drinking, and then it finally comes out my mouth. I think I'm going to go back to school. And he just looks at me and goes, I've been telling you this for a year. And I was like, yeah? He's like, yeah. I was like, well, it worked. I'm going back. And I did. And had the best experience. I went back, oddly enough, with a few of the people who were part of that old group, who like the more getting their shit together version. I was now dating someone from that group who was a lot better than the person I was with in all facets, but mostly mentally, mostly like inspirationally. Like, I wanted to do better because I was with this person. She, mind you, I hadn't really gotten a chance to speak to her while in college because, oddly enough, the ex was her friend. And I was banned from speaking to her. I have no idea why. All I ever said to her before that was, hey, how's it going? 
Welcome to Theory Club, blah, blah, blah. And after that, when they became friends, was never allowed to speak to her ever again. Whatever. Oddly enough, here we are. The person I'm still with today, Christina, was that person that I couldn't talk to back then. And is now the college girlfriend I went back to college with. It's weird how that plays out. But once I didn't have a group to be a part of and I was just on my own, school wasn't hard anymore. Because I was now there for the mission. There was no more fucking around. There was no time. I went back in my late 20s. I didn't have the time to fuck around anymore. You know? And it was also on financial aid. No longer a scholarship for my mom's job. So it was my money, so to speak. Maybe that's kind of what I always needed. A more of, I guess, a more tangible way of seeing what things were worth. Because as a kid, you don't see those things. You know? Like, not doing good in school came with the worst punishments, but doing good in school was associated with getting things back for me because I was always a bad student. So I guess for me, it never really materialized that, oh, this could be better. Like, if you did better, you'd get more things. We also didn't have a lot of money at the time. So it made that kind of difficult to really, you know, reward or even enhance that that's just how life is that's the economy dog and a lot of people are going through that now with the economy you know it's hard to reward children for doing well because money's tight and words can only do but so much but now that i was back in it was a lot more fun and i had better professors guys who had just got out the game worked on the more recent technology, and were just gung-ho for anything. For them, it was about be as creative as you can be within the limits that we set for every project. I've never had a professor in film tell me anything positive other than this one. And it wasn't because they didn't like my projects. It was because how I shot it and how I was working around their rules. I think rules are bullshit. You, you asked me to create something, I create something. This is what it is. But this TV professor that I had was able to explain the rules to me in a way where they felt like options, not limitations. So when he gave me my A, and he was like, dude, you have a great idea of what needs to be seen visually. That meant the world to me. Because not only did I do it within his rubric, he took the time to go, that was good. That was dope. Not many professors in my first go-around were like that. I'm not saying to be, you know, pat on the back all the time, but something positive from time to time does help. But there is this weird thing in the arts where it's believed that you'd be as heartless as you can, be as cutting as you can, that's going to make someone better. But I don't think that's true. I think you have to have both. Good cop, bad cop shit. You know. Generic. Ass advice. But going back, I was 10 times better than the student I was walking in. And I was getting a feel for it again. Sad that I was too old to continue it in a real way. You know, because I can't do that now. Work's already tough enough. Add school on to that. Like, who's got time? You know, trying to do this. You know, trying to do other things. It's just, it's a lot. 
but you know, having had that experience, like, do would I sacrifice fifty people I know because of college to go back in time and do it over? Yeah, not the people I mentioned earlier, like my girlfriend and Camacho are great. Thank God for them, but I'd sacrifice a good majority of the others. There's probably a few exceptions in there, but a good majority. I would sacrifice and burn down that bridge if I could. Um, I should. That's terrorism. I can't say that, right? I would love to. But um, be a good killing of negative energy. But instead of going, when I went back, when I was hanging on the bridge, it was deserved. I had to bust my ass in class all day. I wasn't looking for anything anymore. Like it's the thing I think when you when you first go to college, you think college is going to define you and show you all these things about you you don't know. Maybe that's going to be the case for people who go away, you know, who go to like you know these beautiful campuses and all that. But when you don't go away and you're still city bound, you get defined by the city. You're defined by the atmosphere. The only true way to know yourself. I guess in a college setting is to go away. It's the only way you can do it. You're on your own. It's all on you. And the limited experience I had of that when I was hanging out at Hofstra, it became how I looked at the college experience over time. Yeah. But I did miss out on an experience. I did. I know that. I do know I missed out on that. But you can't really cry about it, can you? Time moves on. I did get my degree eventually. You know, and I'm proud of it. And here's the thing. When I got it, things got a lot easier. I got a job within my industry, oddly enough, because of Anthony Camacho. The guy who got me in school got me the job that I'm currently working in now. Talk about a hell of a best friend, dude. That's a dude I owe a lot to. And I think, you know, I don't know if that friendship could have been as strong as it is now than it, like it was then. It can't, you know, because we were just in two separate parts of the group. So we never really had a chance to get to know each other. I think if we had known each other earlier, I, or really got to know each other earlier, I probably would have followed him to like Brooklyn College and all that, you know, like to continue on in a real way because he got his shit together good and proper, you know. Like I think had we connected earlier, you know, my girlfriend already graduated college, so for her, like, any nervousness. I have could be alleviated because she's already done it, you know, so she can be like, no, this is what you got to do, you know, be aware of this, you know, be on top of this, you know, she was really helpful in that, you know, so I left college with the best people years later after flunking out second time, but then you get it right eventually. But that bus ride going up to that school, I, I really thought about it. I was like, man, this could have been me. And I'm living it through my brother, and I'm really happy I am. 
because I'm going to get to experience some cool shit because of him. And, like, yeah, we have, like, a 15-year age gap, legitimately. But I'm still cool. I can still go to games. I can tailgate, you know? Right? I'm still a cool guy. Look at these cool moves. Look at these cool dancing moves, man. They're not ready for me. Cool old guy. Who doesn't want to be that? But I've been thinking about not just even college, just you know, I've been I've been going to open mics, not performing. I mean they're very clear, not performing. Just hanging out, getting a sense of things, rooms, ideas. Ideas from I mean ideas about if I were to do this again at thirty four, what that look like? Embarrassing for sure. Definitely gonna be embarrassing for a while until I get good. If I if I ever get good, odds are against me. But I have considered it seriously. I used to do it, and I think I did okay then. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did okay. But I can never really trust certain shows, as I mentioned earlier. Some of them were filled with pranks. But there were a lot of rooms that weren't. So we'll call it 50-50. Who knows, maybe I get into that again. That's not an early midlife crisis at all. I should have known once I started doing this shit, this is where it'd lead. Considering it. Going back to school, but this time for comedy. I'm not doing one of those classes. I am not doing one of those classes. I will learn the hard way. Even though those classes probably would help. I'm going to do it the hard way. Because I'm stubborn that way. And that's how I am. That's how I am. Who knows? Maybe in a week I don't feel this way. And we'll at least have maybe a clip. Maybe I'll do it once. To air a clip. About how cringe it is. We'll just stick to broadcasting on public access. I love it, John. WRK has been good to us. With that being said, Bobby, thanks for showing up to work and good luck with your college acceptances. To be honest, your list probably isn't as long as John's. Yeah. He's got like multiple acceptances. It's Kind of embarrassing how many acceptances he's got. It's a lot of paper. And you only have four. So. Loser. I have no acceptances anywhere. So don't feel bad. I don't know if I'm accepted anywhere. Maybe that's what we'll find out at the end. Or maybe we both know. When this is going to end. Why am I doing gun fingers at the camera?
Because let's be honest, this show's been a bit depressing, but this will make up for it. It won't. 